UTL Radio welcomes you. We had a little bit of a, a technical difficulty there, so uh, we will just skip that intro and we'll get right into it. Thank you for joining me for this edition of uh, Live Legal and Business Q&A. I'm Peter Lamont. Um, for those of you who were regular listeners, you'll know that we took a little bit of a hiatus and we're back. Uh, we've been back for two weeks now with the Week in Review, um, the Monday show with my co-host Bob Hughes. I thank you for your patience and your understanding as we have um, you know, been trying to build up some new programming. We're working on redoing the website. We have a lot of exciting things happening. We've brought in some new sponsors. Um, we're going to be, uh, by the end of the day today, launching a new page on the site, utlradio.com, that is going to allow you uh, to ask your questions Directly through the website, you can record it on a it's like like a voice um, a, a, a voice message, a voicemail, and we will be able to get it, listen to it, and we can play your question live on the air instead of of having to call in the way that um, we've been doing it to date. Um, you know, to date on on live business and legal Q and A, what we've been doing is essentially gathering up all of the questions that have come in through the week either through email or through social media uh, or or through people that have called the office and, and they've had a question that they'd like to have answered on the air. But now with this, uh, with this new page that we're putting together, which I'm excited about, you're going to be able to click a button, record your message, and we're going to be able to play it live on air. And then, um, as always, everybody that is featured, if your fe- uh, question is featured on air, you get a, a free UTL radio mug that's sent out to you. So we're excited about some of the new changes. Again, thanks for sticking around and for listening to this podcast and checking us out over on YouTube. So what we've been doing new since we've come back is that all of the live podcasts are also simultaneously being broadcast live over on our YouTube channel. So you can check that out and you can you know, answer or ask questions um, directly through the podcast site, through UTL Radio, or through the chat, uh, the group chat that's available on the YouTube channel. So those things are available to you. And uh, if you do want to call in during this show, I'm going to give you the call-in number. It's 347-855-8831. Call in. You'll be placed in the switchboard in the queue, and uh, we will try to get to your question. All right, so before I start off, I want to thank uh, the sponsor for today's show, which is Audible. And for those of you who don't know uh, about Audible, and I'm, I'm surprised uh, if you don't, uh, it's a very uh, good site for listening to audiobook content. I use it myself because you know, you're busy and you might be driving in the car. You don't have a lot of time to sit and read a book. So I find myself using Audible a lot. Um, and they're giving us a special offer. Everyone who listens to UTL Radio, if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash UTL Radio, you get a free download, a free audiobook. And if you uh, have been following the YouTube channel, you'll know about a week ago I put a video up with a book review of It's Your Ship by Captain Michael Abershoff. And um, that book is available on Audible. So if you are interested in Captain Abershoff or his, uh, his leadership management book, It's Your Ship, you can download it for free. It's audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio. And one other thing I'd like to say, because we are going to be bringing in some additional sponsors to our programming, um, 
nobody that is is going to be sponsoring the show uh, or through any, any affiliate program is a service or product that we are just advertising simply for you know our own benefit. Um, the products that or services that we allow on the show are products and services that we actually use that I use on a daily basis that I feel strongly about because um, the whole point of this podcast is to give you answers to legal and business questions that you know you you might have to pay for right if you have a legal question you have to call a lawyer and typically you have to pay for him to answer that or if you have a business question well you might not have to pay for the question you pay because a lot of times you don't have somebody to bounce something off of and you make mistakes and you essentially recreate the wheel and by doing so it costs you time and money so the point of the podcast is to really kind of give out some of that information and answer these questions um, so that you don't make the same mistakes and that you are aware of your legal rights or strategies for business, whatever you know it might be. Um, and, and that's how we're approaching our sponsors as well. If we don't believe in the product, if we don't use the product, if I don't personally use it, I'm not going to be promoting or advertising that service. I know that, that there's a lot of people out there that think um, you know, podcasters will just take any sponsorship because there's money involved. First of all, um, there's not a lot of money involved in, in some of the sponsorships, um, especially when you are selective in who you're advertising. I would rather give you guys some insight into some of the companies that we use, some of the people that we partner with. So uh, I just wanted to, to throw that out there to you because it's this is not about promoting companies for the sake of promoting them or for any sort of monetary gain. It's because I use them and believe in them. So Audible is one of those companies that I believe in. Uh, I find it efficient and, and easy to try to digest as much content as possible, which you know is, is for me important because it helps me to keep growing and learning. All right, so now that that's out of the way, I want to start um, by giving you a summary of the two questions. We're going to go through two questions today. That will hopefully keep the podcast a little bit on the shorter side, and um, it might even allow us to do more than one of these legal Q&A sessions a week. So we're going we're gonna to answer two questions. The legal question that we're going to answer today deals with a landlord who wants to evict a tenant who does not have a signed lease. And the second question, the business question, is going to deal with um, how, to, how to deal with stress in a small business as an entrepreneur. So we're going to look at both of those questions, and I'll give you uh, my thoughts on both of those. If you have questions or you want to join in this conversation, again, you can call in the live show, 347-855-8831, or go over to the YouTube channel. We're streaming live. Go into the group chat, post your message, and we'll be able to uh, to answer your questions. All right, so let's start with the first one. And so this question comes from John, and John is from New York. I have a tenant who is currently in a verbal month-to-month rental agreement, and I need to move back into my home. The tenant has agreed to move out, um, but I want to make sure that this is done properly. Uh, what form letter should I use? How do I do this? What is the general procedure for evicting or essentially getting somebody out of a, a tenancy when they don't have a signed agreement? So I'm going to approach the question this way. Let's look at the, the general rule. 
How do you, if you're a landlord, get somebody out of a rental property that you own when you don't have a signed lease? And some of you might say, well, who wouldn't have a signed lease if you're a landlord? You'd be surprised. I think that um, probably greater than 50% of all rental property owners uh, might start off with a lease agreement when you're a new tenant and you sign up. But then after that lease expires, if that tenant continues to reside at the premises, most people, and I don't, you know, it's not a good practice, I don't advocate it, but most landlords, they just don't bother to give you a new lease. So what happens? Well, in just about every state in the country, if you don't have a signed lease, you're considered a month-to-month tenant. And what that means is that if you want to leave, you aren't going to be, you know, breaking any sort of lease where you'd be obligated to pay the rest of the year or the rest of the lease term, you can leave essentially by giving 30 days notice. And the landlord has that same right. He or she can ask you to leave as long as they give you 30 days notice. And of course, it's like a business, right? When you're a landowner, when you're a landlord, it, it, it follows some of the same tenants and basic principles that businesses do, especially when you compare it to perhaps um, laying off an employee or firing someone on your staff or whatever it might be, you can't discriminate or or hiring as well. Um, When you hire somebody or decide not to hire somebody, you can't take action as an employer for any discriminatory reason. You can't fire somebody because of a discriminatory reason, and you can't not hire somebody. Um, And it's the same thing. It, It holds true for a landowner too. You can't evict somebody simply because you don't like their race or their nationality or uh, a disability that, might, that, that they might have. That's not a good reason. That's a discriminatory reason, and that's not good. But as long as it is a non-discriminatory reason, then you are free to evict a tenant. Now, in the case of somebody that doesn't have a lease, you're a month-to-month tenant. So to answer this gentleman's question, what would you do or what should you do, The best thing to do is to send the tenant a notice, a written notice. Um, I would suggest to you that if you're going to do it by yourself without an attorney, that you send it certified mail. And uh, the letter should essentially say that, as you know, you're a month-to-month tenant at the premises, and as of this date, the tenancy will come to an end. And I would provide as much notice as possible so I don't know if this is something that you're looking to do within a week, a month, a year, however it might be, um, but you need 30 days notice. And the more notice you give to a tenant, the easier the transition will be. A, it'll be easier for you to make sure that the tenant complies with your request. And B, it'll be easier for the tenant to make arrangements to get out. Um, sometimes, you know, it's, it's tough as a tenant to hear that the landlord is going to be terminating your month-to-month lease and you've got 30 days to find a new place to live. Um, You know, it's tough because sometimes people don't have the financial ability to lay out a new security deposit. Maybe they don't have the money for movers. And uh, just as a common courtesy, if you need to have somebody move out and they're a month-to-month tenant, try to give them at least 60 days' notice. It just seems to be what would be uh, most fair. Um, But... The law says 30 days notice. So if you give somebody 30 days notice and, and, 
ask them to leave, you're certainly able to do that. So I'd send that letter out, certified mail, return receipt requested so you get that green card back in the mail. And then you just have to follow through. I would remind, if you're going to send a notice 60 days out, I'd send another reminder notice 30 days out and just reminding them that their tenancy will come to an end. Now, um, what this gentleman does not ask is what happens if they don't leave. And that is a separate discussion because that's going to involve filing a, a court you know, document, a complaint, and trying to evict them through uh, legal process. When you just are terminating a month-to-month tenancy, it is as simple as writing a letter, letting them know, giving them 30 days notice, and then obviously returning their security deposit. Um, security deposit also is an issue. I'm just going to touch on briefly. because It's not asked here, but um, with most states, I'll give you an example, New Jersey, has a very strict security deposit law. Most states have a law in place about what you must do as a landlord with the security deposit. So, for example, in New Jersey, you've got to put it into an interest-bearing checking account or savings account, and you've got to be able at the beginning of the tenancy to provide to the tenant information about where their money is, what bank, um, you know, the account information, so that they have proof that their money is deposited and it's on hold. Now, New Jersey courts frown upon a landlord holding back security deposit money to remedy repairs that that they might deem necessary after the tenant leaves. Uh, Oftentimes, you'll see a landlord go into a, a property and find some damage, and before they return the security deposit, they take out five or six hundred dollars in order to make the repairs. And then the the tenant actually turns around and sues them for violating New Jersey's security deposit law, and it becomes a big mess. So before you decide as a landlord to withhold security deposit monies, contact an attorney. Just run it by them. See what the attorney says. It'll be well worth your time because being sued by a tenant over over a violation of the security deposit law is going to cost you so much more in the long run. And even if you end up getting sued and you just decide to turn the money over to them, you might still have to pay court costs and attorney's fees. So best course of action is before you decide to withhold that security deposit money, just contact a lawyer, run it by them, see what they say. But um, to answer John's question and or to summarize, you have a right to ask this person to leave. Just give them a 30 days notice and put it in writing. So thank you for um, for your question, and we have your information, um, and we'll be sending you out your free UTL radio mug. Now, um, I also want to mention something about um, hiring a lawyer when you are a landlord and you're faced with... Um, eviction or a termination of the lease. And just, uh, just just to make this clear, there's a difference between terminating a lease, which is either the lease term, right? The, if you have a lease agreement, it's ended, or it's a month-to-month tenancy and you want to just end the tenancy. That's different than an eviction. An eviction is typically where the tenant has not paid, refuses to pay, refuses to leave. Uh, that's an eviction process. It's adversarial. 
and it's done through the court system. Ending a tenancy, while it ultimately could become adversarial or need to go to court, that's not how I view it. It's simply a conclusion or ending of the lease term. But a lot of times, and I don't know if this will enhance my answer to John's question, but a lot of times landlords will ask or property owners will ask, when do I need to hire a lawyer? Um, Look, let's face it. Nobody likes to hire a lawyer. I, I completely get that. And that's why I try to give away as much information as possible because there are a lot of things that you can do on your own where you don't need a lawyer. Um, look, uh, if you if you watch uh, Better Call Saul, which I happen to think is a, is a great show, it's a spinoff from uh, the Breaking Bad series, last night's episode, um, Saul was doing a will for this lady in the retirement home, and she said... Um, to him, oh, you, you know, you're, you're smarter than you look. And um, he made a comment, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was to the effect of, you know, half the lawyers are stupid and the rest of them are crooks. And I thought it was kind of funny because, unfortunately, um, there are a lot of lawyers out there that do prey upon people and um, they, you know, they end up taking advantage of them. And so a lot of times I'll hear a story from someone who comes into my office and they'll say, you know, I don't understand. I went to a lawyer. I asked a question about evicting a tenant, and the next thing I know, you know, they want five thousand dollars, and 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 I lost money on this. How did this happen? And then it it, it you know dawns upon them that some of this stuff they could have done on their own. So while I I don't advocate never using a lawyer, obviously I would be out of business. Um, I think there are times when you can make a determination as to whether or not you can handle something on your own. So with Landlord issues, you need to hire a lawyer when you have a tenant who refuses to leave, when you have a tenant who refuses to pay you rent. Now, you can certainly file your own proceeding to collect the rent or to have them evicted, but most states, including New Jersey and New York, they have very strong tenant protection laws. So even if your tenant owed you three or four months of rent, and you file a complaint and you're moving to a victim, in New Jersey, at the very least, they could show up that day with a check and say, here's what I owe you, please let me stay, and the judge is going to allow that. So that's something that you need to have an attorney for. Um, Obviously, if there's any suspected illegal activity at your premises, drugs, um, trafficking of any type, any sort of of, um, weapons, that's something that you would want to engage the services of a lawyer for as well, um, or any sort of, of defamation. Uh, you could be the manager uh, or owner of a large garden uh, garden apartment complex, and you might have a group of tenants who are posting all sorts of defamatory information or materials about you or, or, or the complex. That's something that's actionable, so you'd want to engage an attorney for something like that. But, oh, and the other thing that that I think is critical is if you are not going to use a stock lease agreement, the kind that you can get at at an office supply store, um, you really should have an attorney help you at least review the lease that you write yourself. Most standard stock leases, they're, they're okay. I mean, they could really be beefed up to protect you, but if you don't want to incur that cost of having a lawyer 
sort of customize that for you, that's fine. Use the, the stock form. Just be aware of what the provisions are. If you're going to write your own lease, that's when I think you need to really bring somebody in just to help you because um, you'd be surprised at how many landlords give you a lease and have no idea what any of it means. And, and if you ask them, what does this mean? They don't know. So, you know, be careful with that. Those are times I think you really need to have a lawyer. But something like ending a tenancy, if it's a, a friendly scenario like what we have in today's question, you know, you just send the letter and that's that. All right. So the next question is from uh, Kevin. And he has a question about dealing with small business stress. So he says that he just recently opened a business. He's been in business for about six months, and he is working harder and longer than he ever did when he worked for somebody else. He also says that uh, his family and, and apparently his wife are unhappy with the uh, long hours and the, the constant um, stress and changes that he has noticed in his personality. And he wants to know how he can be better um, at at managing his own stress and being a better entrepreneur. So, all right, this is a, a tough question, and this is a question that is something that I think every entrepreneur faces. This is a scenario that we all face when you own your own business. Um, you know, particularly, I found that a lot of of either my male friends or male business owners, one of their most frequent uh, questions, concerns, complaints deals with how their spouse is handling the business. And I get this a lot. So if you are a male business owner and you're married, let me know if this sounds familiar. So you go home and you, you start talking about the day or people that haven't paid you or accounts that aren't working out and your your spouse, your significant other, says that they don't want to hear it. And you, you get angry and you think, well, why don't you want to hear it? I mean, I don't understand. Or else that will say things like, oh, this was such a bad idea for you to start your own business or a bad idea for you to go out on your own. You should have just stayed as, you know, an employee. And you, you, you get angry and you say to yourself, well, why are you saying that? And you justify that by, by arguing well, you know, if, if I didn't work for myself, we wouldn't have this, we wouldn't have that. Does that sound familiar? Because I know that a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've spoken to, that is a recurring complaint, a recurring theme. Oh, my family doesn't appreciate me. Um, you know, oh, my wife doesn't appreciate me. And and you know what? You have to sort of separate um, the new you from the old you what your family was used to dealing with. And what do I mean by that? Being a business owner changes you, okay? Um, you, could, you could argue with me, but the fact is it does. Sometimes it changes you for the better. Other times it changes you for the worse. You are now you know, the commander, the, the captain of the ship, and you're faced with a tremendous amount of stress on a daily basis regardless of what size company you have and regardless of how many people you have working for you, you're the decision maker. And what you do impacts your business and thereby impacts your family. And so while you are dealing with these stresses that you know, perhaps your, your significant other, your spouse cannot understand because they're not dealing with it on a daily basis, 
you know, it, it, it produces too much stress for them to hear about the things you want to talk about. And it's really hard. It, it's hard to accept. But I think that if you look at how you were before, how were you when you were an employee and you came home from work? Were you happy to be home? Did you greet your family with hugs? Were you warm? Were you more patient? And how are you now as a business owner? You know, do you have as much patience? Uh, are, are you slightly more arrogant? And, and why, why would I say that? Because as a business owner, sometimes you have to become slightly arrogant. And I don't mean that in a derogatory fashion. I just mean that you've got to have a different level of, of confidence um, because you're in charge. So you've got to look at, at, at that. Have you changed? And what can you do to sort of get back to the old you while still maintaining your focus on, on your business? So that's, I think that's an important thing um, to understand when we're talking about being married and, and your family trying to cope with this new business that you've started. Um, the other thing that I think you need to focus on is what's, what's the real problem? You, know, you have to identify what is the real problem. What is creating this stress for you? Is the problem that you don't have enough clients? Well, if you say, I don't have enough business, my product's not, uh, not selling well, I don't have um, you know, enough clients coming through the door. Well, what is the problem there? Is it that your product is no good? Is it that your services are no good? Or is it that your marketing is no good? So there's a big difference between having a great product that doesn't sell because of marketing or having a poor product that doesn't sell, but the marketing's there. The point is you've got to identify what is the real problem. Is the problem the product, the service, or is the product the marketing? Before you can identify that, you have no idea what's wrong, and that creates stress. So you need to sit down and you need to kind of take stock. Owning a business, right, there's a lot of doing involved with owning a business, a lot of busy work, but there needs to be a lot of thinking. A lot of time where you just need to sit down and, and be with your own thoughts and think about what's working and what's not working. Make a list. The old pros, cons, however you want to do it. It's important to figure out what is the real problem. What is the real issue? Now, after you do that, you have to, you have to come to grips with, with anxiety. You just you have to. And I'll, I'll tell you, it is hard. And it depends on your personality. I have the kind of personality where, um, you know, I, I, I become anxious. And there's a lot of stress involved. Some of it I create in my head. And I always, I think that, that stems from being a lawyer where I'm trying to think two or three steps ahead to figure out what could happen. Um, because that's how I approach my practice with my clients. If we do this, what is the outcome for you how does it help you? How does it hurt you? And I, I think that, unfortunately, I've sort of incorporated that into my daily life. Um, but there's a difference between fear and anxiety. And, and that difference you need to explore because anxiety just creates unnecessary stress. So the question is, how do you eliminate stress? This is one of the main ways. Tough to do, okay? But fear is something that's rational, Fear is something that can be a motivator. Fear is something that can keep you in line from doing something 
wrong. So, for example, fear uh, of not going to work. If I don't go into work today, I might not, you know, land this account. I might not um, make any money. That's that's a legitimate fear, right? Anxiety is different. Anxiety is based primarily off of things that could happen, that might happen, that may never happen. And, um, you know, it's more of an irrational worrying. I happen to be a worrier, so I understand it completely. You know, you see something that, that comes in, something that happens, something that happens with, with your family, with a client, and you start, my head right away starts thinking of worst case scenario, what's going to happen, and um, you know, you start to go down that that path, and really, you have to control yourself, and and that is a major contributor to the stress that business owners experience. What is rational? What is fear? And what is an irrational anxiety? Um, you know, it, it's hard, but how how can you do it? How can you eliminate the anxiety? Well, there's a few ways. Exercise. Exercise is a great way to eliminate anxiety because your mind is focused on something else, something positive. Um, engaging in, in a hobby, something that you enjoy. Meditation. And obviously talking to someone. Sometimes, you know, the anxiety becomes so great that you just need to talk to somebody. And whether it's a therapist or a counselor uh, or a life coach or, or whoever it might be, um, but that sort of talking will help you through it. How many times have you in your life, whether it's it's your business life or your personal life, how many times have you overreacted to a situation, created this irrational uh, anxiety, and had yourself wrapped up in, in such knots only to find out that what you were worrying about never happened? You know, I've read a ton of books on this where, where it talks about most of people's anxieties and irrational fears um, never come true. You know, and there's percentages and whatever. But the point here is that you've got to focus on your own actions and, and, and what you're thinking about and decide, is this rational, is this not rational? And, and you've got to kind of talk yourself down. People, we work with a lot of, of uh, therapy groups and, and, and therapy clients, so I've heard this, I'm not just making this up, but people that have anxiety, whether it's uh, someone who has experienced panic attacks, one of the things that they're told to do is to talk yourself down off the ledge, to start engaging in some self-talk. You know, I know this isn't real. I know this is just an anxiety attack. I know that, you know, I, I can control my own, my own thoughts and my own reactions. And that sort of self-talk. Well, the same can, um, you know, can hold true for dealing with anxiety in business. When you get that panic, that surge of adrenaline, where your heart is in your throat, you've got to talk yourself down off the ledge. Only you can do it, right? You could go home and your wife could tell you or your husband could tell you, everything's fine, everything's fine. A colleague, a coworker, oh, everything's fine. But you don't feel fine until you get yourself under control. So, you know, talking yourself down off the ledge, I think, is really important. And I think that that creates the majority, this, this irrational anxiety, um, irrational worrying, I think creates a significant amount of stress in an entrepreneur's or small business owner's life. Um, another tip is to 
keep perspective on what you're doing, right? If you need to take a day to spend with your family, to go do something, it's not the end of the world. You know, look at the big picture. Think to yourself, you know, if I take this day off, is my business going to fold? Uh, is, is my business over? You know, and, and how often does one day, you know, result in, in some sort of major, major failure? So keep things in perspective. Look at the big picture. Look at where you've, you've been, where you have, have um, brought yourself and where you're going. And try to, again, you know, only you can do this. This is through self-talk, through some meditation, through, through um, you know, you spending time with you. Only, can, only then can you, you know, focus on perspective, keeping things in perspective, I think is very important. Another tip is accepting responsibility. Uh, I think that a lot of stress is created when you've got a business owner that fails to believe that he or she has ever done anything wrong. And it's always everybody else's fault. It's this employee's fault. It's that employee's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. The delivery man. I mean, you name it, and they're blaming everybody. And having no accountability and taking no um, responsibility for your own actions is a stress producer because most people that do that, they deep down know that the problem was created by them. You know, so for example, I'll give you a, a scenario. Some somebody misses a deadline. Um, an article submission was supposed to be made by Monday, and here it is Tuesday, and nothing's happened. So, you know, maybe it was you, the writer, who waited to the last minute, and at the last minute, you gave it to your staff, and there were all sorts of other things, and it didn't get in on time. You want to blame the staff. Why didn't you get it in on time? You did this. The mailman was late. The delivery guy didn't bring it. Whatever it might be. Uh, We're out of stamps. You name it, right? There's an excuse. But go back and take responsibility. But what is the real issue? Well, the real issue is you waited to the last minute to write the article. So when you sort of accept responsibility for your actions, it, it is a way of allowing yourself to start a self-forgiveness or healing process where, you know, you acknowledge that something has happened, that you are responsible or partially responsible, and you can start to forgive yourself and move forward. Yes, things happen. Mistakes happen. Deadlines are missed. You know, sometimes you do procrastinate or wait to the last minute. Um, It's not the end of the world, but you have to acknowledge it because tucking it under the rug and pointing the fingers creates stress. So, um, you really have to focus on accepting responsibility. And, and the last thing uh, that I think is uh, a, a, a good tip to help you reduce stress is to stay focused on positivity. And this sounds like a bunch of, of nonsense, right? Um, you could go out and, and read Norman Vincent Peale's books or, or you know see any of the self-help stuff in the bookstore, and it's this um, pumping you up positivity the power of positive thinking, there is some truth to it, okay? Now, I'm not talking about the guys that go out and wake up and they they stand in the mirror and say, you know, I'm great. I love myself. Today is going to be a great day. Um, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about somebody who, you know, had this uh, 
this person that worked for me at one point, and you'd, you'd come in to work during the day, and uh, it was never genuine, but she'd always say, today is going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day. Now, meanwhile, it was a bunch of crap, and like when you looked at the person's face, you knew that they didn't mean it, but they were just saying it. So saying things that are, are, are positive in nature doesn't help you. And um, for those of you who, who might have ever listened or followed, to, uh, followed any of the Tony Robbins um, training seminars, one of the things that he mentions in his training is, um, you know, the idea of positive thinking alone is not good enough because to look at a garden full of weeds and to tell yourself in a positive fashion that you have no weeds in your garden, that's stupid and that's never going to help you. But if you can say, look, there are weeds in my garden, but I'm going to fix it, that element of positivity can make you uh, empowered. It can give you the ability to reduce stress, to take action, and to um, to move forward. So staying positive is, I think, a good tip. Focus on not the negative, because I think that, that physiologically and um, you know our own brain patterns, when you focus on the negative, that is what you become. When you focus on the positive, when you focus on problems being challenges versus problems, I think that it, it helps you, helps your brain. Now, I don't understand the, uh, the neuroscience behind it, but I've read enough to understand that when you focus on positivity or you focus on solutions to challenges, when you look at a quote-unquote problem, as a hurdle or challenge that you need to find a way to overcome. Your brain searches for better answers. When you ask your brain good questions, your brain gives you better answers. The questions that we ask, are, ask ourselves like, why is this happening to me? What do you think your brain is going to do? It's going to say, because you're stupid, because you have bad luck, because you know in third grade you were mean to, mean to, to the little Jimmy. That's what your brain's going to do. It's going to come up with all these irrational ways to answer the question because that's what you've put in to your brain computer. You've, you've entered in this question, and now it's going to sort for some way to answer the question. might not be the real answer. better way to do it is to ask your brain a positive question. How can I make this better? How can I fix this? What can I do to overcome this obstacle? You know, and, and I, I don't really care whether you call it a problem or a challenge. There's a lot of people that say, oh, it's never a problem. It's always a challenge. I, I, it could be a problem, but a problem can be solved. And so if you can focus on the solution rather than the problem, then you're going to be a lot better. So that idea of, of positive thinking, I think, is still a good one. So I hope that that very long, drawn-out, long-winded um, uh, diatribe answers the question, how can you reduce stress? It's not easy, and it takes work, and there's no magic pill. There's no magic therapy. There's no magic book. It really comes down to you talking to yourself, talking yourself down off the ledge. Everything that I talked about, positivity, that's an internal thing. Um, accepting responsibility, that's an internal thing. Uh, forgiving yourself, internal thing. Looking at what works, what doesn't work, what the real problem is. Again, you're internalizing. You have to go into yourself and say, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What is the real problem? 
And, and so all of these things, they all deal with you talking to yourself in a way that is productive and that makes sense. None of these strategies that I've outlined, none of them involve somebody else coming in and doing something for you or to you. They all deal with you trying to fix you. And that's, I think, um, the, the, the greatest lesson that you can learn, the best thing that you can do if you are going to try to eliminate stress in your small business because it is there every day. Is there enough money coming in? Do you have enough supplies? Are you doing the right thing with marketing? Do you have enough time in the day? I, mean, I could list a million and one negative or, or um, problems or challenges or whatever you want to call it. I could list a million of them because you know as a, as a small business owner or uh, an entrepreneur of any sort, you know there are challenges. You know there are hurdles on a daily basis. And there's probably too many to, to list for a day. Yet, if you can get yourself under control, you've got a great shot at making yourself and your business a success. So that's going to do it. I want to thank both of our um, uh, uh, submissions today for, uh, for the questions. And I would like to remind you that you've, uh, you know, check out this website. Uh, hopefully by the end of the day today we'll have it up and running. Obviously it's, it's on utlradio.com. Uh, that web page is going to be the Ask a Question tab. And when you, you click over on the Ask a Question tab, you're going to see a box in the middle of the screen that's going to allow you to click on it, record your message directly into your computer, and then we're going to be able to use that live on there. So instead of me paraphrasing or reading the questions, you're going to be able to do it directly on air. And if you're featured, um, you're obviously going to uh, get the UTO radio mug. And we're also going to be bringing back the UTL Radio t-shirts. Uh, they're right now available for sale on the site, but we're going to be giving them away to anybody whose question is featured on the air. Uh, just a couple of other things that I want to mention. Over on our YouTube channel this week, uh, we are going to be taking a look at book Time Management Magic, and it is by Lee Cockerell, and he was the uh, former executive vice president of operations for the Walt Disney World Resort. So uh, we're going to be reviewing this book, and um, that'll be over on the YouTube channel in a YouTube video. And I also am going to be reaching out to Lee to try to get him on as a guest for the Thursday Understanding Business Show. Um, if you're interested in hearing more about this book, then head over to the YouTube page. Make sure you click subscribe to the channel and you'll be notified when this video is published. I also want to remind you, if you're watching this live on YouTube, the podcast is something that you can subscribe to over on iTunes. So um, you know, make sure that you are, are connected and uh, that you are subscribed so that every time a new um, episode or some new content comes out, you can, uh, can be notified of it so you can uh, watch it and hopefully... It's uh, helpful. Um, final thing I want to say is that over the last year or so of doing these podcasts and videos, we've received a tremendous amount of positive feedback, and I really appreciate that. I want to thank you uh, for taking the time 
to post comments, to post messages, uh, because it lets me know that we're doing the right thing, that we're on the right track, and that we're giving you the content that you need, that we're offering helpful and useful solutions. Because it, it does not do me any good to sit here and to just talk to myself, right? I, I, I do that enough. Um, I really want to convey strategies and, and information to you, the, the viewers and listeners, that's, that's helpful for your personal life or your business life. So having those comments, that feedback come in, it, it really sort of um, lets me know we're doing the right thing, and I really do appreciate that. We try, I try personally to respond to every single comment. Um, all of our new Twitter followers, I'd like to thank you. We've been getting a lot of, uh, of new Twitter followers, and I appreciate that. Uh, if I have not thanked you for the follow, I will do so shortly. Um, but, you know, stay in touch. We've got a variety of avenues for you to communicate with us, Twitter, Facebook, Google+. Um, we're over on Blog Talk Radio. You can download the podcast through iTunes. We've got a, a, a YouTube channel with, with well over 100 videos. So any of those avenues are available. Check them out. And don't forget to take a look at EDLradio.com later on today, probably after 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and that new tab will be available where you can record your message for the show. Uh, that's going to do it for today. Um, again, I want to thank everybody who has either listened live or is going to download this later. If you've got questions, please make sure that you send them in, and hopefully we will feature your question on air. That's going to do it for today. Thanks again for watching and listening. And until next time, remember that there's power in understanding the law. Music.